Welcome to the Quack Hole Podcast, the most official, unofficial, Oregon Ducks podcast on the web footosphere. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Quack 12 Podcast or visit our website, quack12podcast.com. If you like what you hear, please leave us five stars on your listening device. And if you'd like to support the show, please visit the Quack 12 Patreon page, where for a measly $5 a month, you can become an official Quacky and unlock hundreds of hours of Oregon Duck content. On to the show. Quack, quack. Hey, everybody. We are back on Quack. That is right. We are back to doing our annual Pac-12 roster reviews in which we break down every post-spring game Pac-12 roster with help from Addicted to Quack, Managing Editor, and Film Reviewer, Hithliday. Hithliday, how are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I am doing good. I'm excited to talk about Arizona today. But uh, before we do that, we're going to start this up the way every good podcast episode should start, which is uh, calling out a listener. Listener JXCD Ron, you left a review on Apple Podcast one year ago, to the date almost, three stars, and uh, it said that we were taking too long to start the roster review episode, so this is me calling you out. Go give us five stars, because I'm getting right into this bad boy. And giving you what you want, which is Adam Green, at the Adam Green on Twitter of Wildcat Radio 2.0 and Arizona Desert Swarm. How you doing, Adam Green? I'm good, but I feel like your three stars are going to go down to one star now. Oh, absolutely. Since you got absolutely. me, so sorry. I apologize. It's <laughs> timely, though. It was two days after the spring game. Like, yeah, they were ready. Got, like, I barely had time to get it off of the machine and into my brain. Uh People are ready to criticize immediately. Uh, <laughs> like, but now I gave you three stars a year ago. You brought out Adam Green, one star. <laughs> <laughs> eh, it's possible. No, no. If it's one star, it's because of uh, the, the host that's taking too long right now to even kick this thing off. But we're so excited you know, to have you fast, back. Fast, cheap, quality pick two, you know? <laughs> no, I'm happy yeah. to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Arizona. Not not to recap it too much because I know I know listeners don't like it, but it really does seem like they've done just enough. Uh, the football program, just enough where anyone who's paying attention is really impressed with them, but not enough where let's say the you know east side of the entire country is really picking them to win much. Does that sound about right? Where the football is right now. That's fair. There's certainly a lot more buzz in Tucson surrounding the program because obviously you go from zero wins in 2020 to one win in 2021 to five in 2022. Of course, winning the Territorial Cup over 600% improvement. It, right. Like how many <laughs> programs can say they did that year over year? So that's a feather in Jetfish's cap. But no, it's, it, it's yeah. certainly something where they've improved. And have they improved enough to be a bowl team next year? A lot of people think so. But winning seven games or winning eight games doesn't really get you noticed on the East Coast, you know, especially in a Pac-12 that's falling apart after this season. So they are improved. There is more talent on the roster than there probably has been in years. But does that resonate nationally? No. And that's why even the spring game, you bring Rob Gronkowski and his brother Chris to be coaches to try to get that oh. buzz on a national level. <laughs> you know, you bring Antoine Case and Chris McAllister, two of the better corners in program history. They're back in town as coordinators on the respective teams. Like if you're Arizona until you start winning 10 games, 11 games, or you're upsetting top 10 teams regularly, you're not going to get the attention of the people on the East Coast. So you try to manufacture it in different ways, which, you know, 
it only goes so far. At some point, you need to start winning. But a lot of people do think that's going to happen this season, not to a huge extent, but you know, to a bowl game type of extent. Well, you know, a, a bowl game is the uh, is the goal. So, Hifflday, let's uh, break into this roster, see if that's possible. It is the, the talent transformation has uh, totally been um, remarkable, um, both the twenty twenty one to twenty two, and then uh, it repeated again in twenty three. Um, in fact, actually, um, uh, Adam. Uh, uh, I, I made up, a, you know, since I maintain a, a database of the entire uh, Pac-12, I, I'm able to calculate. As one does, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know how anybody one does person, this job. Yeah. <laughs> one person, yeah. One person doing yes. so. I, you know, I know you're being sarcastic, but like, I don't think that should be sarcastic. I feel like any journalist who does this job ought to be doing this. So, uh, anyway, um, <laughs> it. it I know that 247 maintains a, a, a team talent composite. They don't calculate it until the end of the summer. I can do it at any given time. And uh, so I threw together a graph. It's um, it's preliminary because like the transfer window isn't closed yet. And also UCLA hasn't finalized their roster because they dragged their feet on this. But I, I you know, threw together a preliminary one. I sent it over to Adam Chimeo. Adam, can, can we throw that up on the screen yard? Yeah, right. I got so it up can... right now. And for listeners, okay. I'll have this on the Twitter account. So again, this is preliminary. When I, I'm able to finalize it, I'll, I'll tweet this out on my account. Um, but Adam, are you, are you seeing this? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, uh, check out Arizona. You know, uh, in 2021, they were last place in the conference. And then look at that average talent jump to 2022. It's enormous. Like, being able to move the needle that much is enormous. And then it's another enormous jump to 2023. So now they're, you know, they've gone from 12th place to, you know, what is that eighth place? Um, you know, it's huge. They've, they've passed four programs, you know, um, and, you know, they're, they're right there, you know, with ASU, um, and, uh, you know, and look, there's a couple other, you know, like Stanford took a massive step back, you know, like the, that's a catchable program, definitely with their coaching, you know, change. Um, and, uh, you know, Washington has taken, you know, a step back. That's a catchable program. Hell, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, they, they probably, you know, Arizona probably should have beat them last year. It took a little, uh, Agreed. <laughs> you know, funny officiating business, I think. Um, you know, so, uh, uh, you know, the, the talent transformation has just been absolutely enormous. And then the other thing that I'll say is that, like, you know, a lot of that has to do with sort of, um, you know, not to be too harsh about it, but like the roster that Jeff Fish inherited had a bunch of two stars on it. And so, like, moving up the average talent rating, a lot of that is about, like, well, the two stars are leaving the roster. He's probably not going to have access to that ever again. Right. Or at least you hope not. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, you know, so it's probably going to plateau a little bit, you know, but like, you know, generally I expect this trend to continue up to about, you know, to, to plateau to about a 0.88, you know, average and, and finishing, you know, you know, to, to round out in like the 2025, 2026 seasons at about, you know, in the top, like, you know, top half of the conference, maybe like five, six, you know, around there with the UCLA's and Washington's, you know, of the conference um, where Chip Kelly likes to recruit and apparently where Kalen DeBoer likes to recruit. And uh, and like, yeah, man, that's pretty good. 
you know, that's definitely, you know, put things together. That's competing for the, for the division, or if we had divisions, but like that's competing, you know, that that's putting yourself in a position to compete for the conference. It, I, I I'm not, you know, I'm not sure it happens this year for reasons that we're going to talk about when we get to some of these individual position, you know, units, but I'm just sort of setting the table here. Like, I, I think there's, you know, for, for the short term, I sort of think this year is going to look a lot like, 2022 but in the medium term like 24 through 26 i think this roster improvement is probably going to continue and is going to settle arizona in uh, to top half of the conference um talent level and to be like regularly competitive with you know four conference championships and like it's d demonstrable like that's not something that is you know just because that's not something that it's like just because you brought in some four stars or something that you can feel like, like I, I made you this graph. I made everybody this graph so that it's like, no, it's real. It's objective. You can look at it. Like that's, that's why I made this uh, the end. Do you have any thoughts on this, Adam? Yeah. I, I, you kind of hit on it where Jetfish took over. The bar was very, very, very low, you know, with what Kevin Summon left him and just, it shouldn't have been difficult to do better. Right to raise the talent level on the you program. You would have thought and, Kevin Sumlin would have done that. Yeah, it was. Better. I was surprised that someone cratered the program like he did. But anyone who watched them in his tenure, what he took over was a bull team when Rich Rodriguez his last season, and just got progressively worse until it was you know seventy to seven against ASU to finish the season. <laughs> now, granted, that team had like fifty-five yeah, scholarship that, players on it. It was not even it, that team kind of yeah. quit too. But you the, know? the team they put on the field that day wasn't even close to the. I guess the floor of what that year's team was capable of, like it was bad, but you take it from there. Like how could Jetfish not do better just by simply trying? Mm -hmm. And you know, he brought in a lot of transfers his first year, guys like Gunnar Cruz, Malik Reed, who, you know, they're okay transfers, but they didn't really do much for them. And of course, Cruz ended up not being the starting quarterback after a few tries and Malik Reed really never played. But what Fish was able to do is build on, just the hype, the salesmanship of saying, hey, come here, like the Juice County guys uh, from Servite in California, your Tetra McMillan's, your Jacob Manu's, your Noah Fafita, Keon Burnett. You know, you build those guys, you get Sterling Lane, Juice Lane, and you get some other guys, you know, uh, Savanea, who was their right guard last season, who might be the right tackle this year. And some of these were four-star guys, like, you know, T-Mac was a four-star guy, Ephesians Prysock was a four-star guy, but some were just well-scouted three-stars. But yeah. you bring them in, and they're making impacts for you. They're showing that they can be part of this program going forward, at least for the next couple of years. And then you can start being more choosy with your transfers. You go get a Jaden Delora, who you know, you're not like banking him just stepping up and doing something he's never done. You're counting on him improving on what he's already done, which was Pac-12 Offensive Freshman of the Year, right? You're getting a Jacob Cowing, who could have gone pretty much anywhere in the country. You're getting him to Tucson. And suddenly, like not only do you have more talent, but you have game-changing type talent. You have talent who could start for other good teams sure. so yeah even though arizona i know you have them behind asu here i think arizona is probably more talented at least in certain positions way more talented and what you're missing out on here too is in next season arizona will be up to sixth you know with uc usc and ucla being gone so arizona all of a sudden they're moving up in the talent rankings just by you know attrition but now it's they're definitely better and if you think of them as a team that went 0-5 a couple of years ago or the team that won a game in jed fish's first season you're doing yourself a disservice because they are not that team anymore and that should have been apparent just watching them last season where you know you're not going to go from one win to eight wins not easily but one to five was a very good progression 
and they didn't really lose much from that team. So there's every expectation that they can build on that going forward. And what this graph shows is that talent wise, they're better this year than they were last year. So why can't it happen? Well, the other thing that I'll say um, to sort of echo or, or tack on to, to your comments about, you know, how they are or how fish is refining and improving the, the roster, you know, talent wise is there's an aggressiveness and a an unsentimentality you know some might even say ruthlessness to it which is you know i I, you know i don't just study arizona i don't just study oregon i don't just study the pac-12 like you know i study you know oregon's big out of conference opponents so i've been studying in recent years teams like ohio state and georgia and you know programs you know the very top of college football and um and i've been studying mario cristobal for four years and i'll tell you something about mario cristobal that dude's ruthless when it comes to roster Mm -hmm. management and like Jed Fish, you know, I watch that guy in interviews and I watch him in the spring game and he's like, you know, he seems like a pretty laid back guy. When I watch his roster management moves, that dude is as ruthless as Mario Cristobal and Kirby Smart and, you know, all those other guys at the top when it comes to, you know, he is totally unsentimental about like guys who are not productive and meeting the like talent expectations, you know, for this team are gone. And, and guys who like, you know, maybe in the two four seven rate ratings, you know, are, are not there, but like you are productive for this team, like Michael Wiley, for example, who's a 0.83, like, well, you are meeting expectations. So you, you're kept around, you know, he's not like star chasing, you know, I'm not trying to like put it that way. Um, you, my point is that it's like, you know, and when it comes to talent acquisition, like he's not making excuses. It's not like, um, hey, Arizona administration, like, could you like cut me some slack here? Like, it's gonna, I need several years of success before I go hit the recruiting trail. No, he goes and gets T Mac right away. You know, he goes and gets like a bunch of like you know big name players and and starts throwing his weight around like fast. You know, yeah. like and and you know, so again, you know, ag- aggressiveness and unsentimentality in terms of roster management which is turning it over fast uh acquiring talent fast um and 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 like not being sentimental about guys you know who are on the program for a long time you know uh you know just saying you know you're not productive you're gone um like it's i understand it's a little brutal um and uh, but like i gotta say like i study you know all the pac-12 like uh, if i had to make a, a ranking of like the most like i appreciate you for how ruthless you are in your roster management like he would be up there like maybe top two um i really am impressed um with with that and it's i'm frankly given arizona's position he he has to have that um yeah but it's been all within the context of what's fair Right. Like he wasn't just. Oh, yeah. I'm not trying. That is not an insult. No, for sure. For sure. But like the way he's done it, too, is like some of their key guys, even last season, Michael Wiley was a Kevin Sumlin recruit. Mm -hmm. Christian Roland Wallace, who ended up going to USC after last season, Keon Bars, like those were not his guys. Right. So the players who were clearly worthy, who they didn't have anyone better than. He didn't give preferential. I guess what I'm saying is he didn't give preferential treatment yeah. to guys that he brought in. In fact, some of the guys he yeah, brought I, in, I, I put that under the category you know? of sentimentality too. Yeah, like there's there are coaches who I definitely see around college football who are like who take over a program and who are like I don't care if you're good or bad, you're not my guy, so you're out of here. Like, in fact, I think there's a one of those coaches in the Pac-12 um, this year. Um, 
I, the jetfish doesn't strike me that way. Like that, that's, that is also sentimentality. And that is also not jetfish. Like no. if you were a good guy who was a, a productive dude, who was a Sumlin dude, like he doesn't care. Like you'll, you, you better bet. And if you're a good guy, but you are not like a four star, you're like a low three star or a two star. Like for example, if your name is Jacob Cowing, and, you know, and, and you were a two star at a, at a UTEP, like he doesn't care. Like he doesn't care. <laughs> He'll go yeah. get you. Yeah. Like he's not sentimental and he's, yeah, I really appreciate that, you know, at a roster management. But one thing it. he also, one thing he benefited from too, was like, he came in with a plan and had the support of the administration and everything. And like, he's a smart guy with a great work ethic, but going in after his first season, going into, I guess I'll say the T-Mac off season, right. Which I know you guys are familiar mm-hmm. with. He benefited from being ready to execute a plan when USC had their coaching change, when mm-hmm. Oregon had their coaching change, when ASU just fell apart. There are certain players that, like even you know Mac, they don't probably get Mac if Cristobal doesn't leave from Miami, right? Like you guys know that better than anyone. Like once that, like they developed that relationship and were ready when he was flippable, and they go get Mac you know, with the plan that they had in place. They get Keon Burnett from USC. Now, granted, he was before all their coaching teams, but Ephesians Prysock is one of those guys who they wouldn't have got. I think Jonah Coleman, they got out of California, somewhat underrated, but they, they had a plan in place and took advantage of some circumstances that were helpful because just because USC has a coaching change, just because Oregon has a coaching change, just because ASU is in a dumpster fire, doesn't mean that Arizona is going to benefit from it. But Arizona did because Jed Fish had that plan in place. And obviously the hope is that, what they accomplished last offseason and what they accomplished this past offseason combined now also be realistic with the transfer portal too. That makes the rebuilds a lot different. You can go get a Jacob County, you can get a Bill Norton from Jersey, you can get a Justin Flo, another guy you've, you're all familiar with, and try to speed things up and raise that talent level on a rate that you couldn't before. But now clearly Jed Fish, he had a plan in place and he's not sentimental to use your word. He's just trying to build the best roster he can. And you know, the early results are obviously impressive <laughs> you know you don't yeah. know if he's the type of guy if he's gonna be able to get Arizona like what Arizona's ceiling is like with Jed Fish and just in general but there's certainly a better football program now than they were before and like I said it was a really low bar for what he took over but he's got people thinking that they're I mean they were competitive most of last season they beat went on the road and beat UCLA they beat San mm-hmm. Diego State on the road they beat North Dakota State at home you know those are three good wins so it's not like they're just beating up on bad teams and that you know before they were the bad team and last season they weren't and yeah. There's every reason to believe, like with your chart here that shows what the, I guess the star rating is or the percentages for 247 sports, the composite, like this is not a bad roster. Does it have holes? Yes, it does. Yeah. You know, they're three years into this and Jed Fish really, this, you know, he's had two full recruiting classes, but they're better than they were. And there's enough talent in certain areas to believe that they can be really competitive and even probably pretty good. Well, I let's start talking about specific position groups because I, I think you're right. You know where it comes out, where the strengths and weaknesses are. You know are apparent in the position groups, and I think it also comes out in uh, like on the field what things they were good at and what things they were bad at. And I also think that that has implications for the short versus the medium term as well. So, well, let's start talking about the offense. Kind of the remarkable thing about the offense is it's almost exactly the same offense as it was last year. Skill wise. Yeah. Now, yeah. yeah. You know, so Jaden Delora, the quarterback, comes back. Noah Fafita, the, the second guy, you know, comes back. Cole Tannenbaum, uh, you know, comes back. They brought in a, a true freshman, uh, Braden Dorman. We saw him a little bit in the spring game. He's a four star. You know, I actually, you know, wouldn't be surprised if there was a bit of a um, a fight between Fafita and Dorman um, for who quarterback number two 
is because I actually think the Dorman's a better fit for what Jed Fish wants to do from his NFL background than Fafita is. But like he's a true freshman. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. But I also sometimes I wonder what Jed Fish really wants to do. You look at the quarterbacks he's recruited and he's run with with Arizona. Granted, the ones he took over, like Gunnar Cruz, was a big pocket passer. Yeah, McLeod, I think he wanted to do. Not, I know? think I think he I think if you look at Cruz and Plummer, what he wanted to do, and he got, he got ahead of himself because he didn't have the team that sure. he. I think when he got Cruz and Plummer, he was thinking he was going to run a certain type of team. And then he learned very rudely in those first three games that like, oh, crap, I don't have that team. But then you go out and get Jaden Delora. He's not your right. classic pocket NFL passer. Yeah, I know. No Fafita, but I think that's mean, because yeah. Delora was plan B. And I think that Fafita is also part of that plan B track. But I think that Dorman is like the plan A track possibly like certainly you would think jet fish coming from the nfl would want that you know six three six four quarterback yeah. more of a pocket guy who can move in the pocket but is going to get the ball downfield now i mean to fafita's credit he doesn't have the size but he's not like a running quarterback he's very much like delore in that they want to throw the ball they want to get that ball in the hands of their playmakers they can take off and run if they need to and there's some thought that they should do it more like delore should run a little bit more but that's where i wonder i remember on the podcast before on uh, Wildcat Radio 2.0, I remember talking to some people like, what is Jet Fish's offense? And so far, I think the only clue we have is it's an offense that's somewhat adaptable to the talent he has. Now, like, to your point, 2021, his first year, he's trying to run a system that he didn't have the talent for. Yeah. You know, and I, it took him a little while to kind of figure that out, to rein things back, to slow things down a little bit, maybe strength the playbook. He was, I think he said biggest, that too. Like, it, to this day, is my biggest criticism is like he should have figured that out in the off season. Like, certainly, it took certainly. him three games to figure that out. I mean, it's like the, Jed, first game on, against man. BYU, they looked pretty good. Gunner Cruz looked good, and then it all just fell apart, and injuries and everything didn't help. But I do wonder how adaptable his offensive system is, and I hope it's quite adaptable. But I mean, Dolores, the QB one this season. There's no question about that. Oh, yeah. Fafita no, this is sort of just kind of like what happens if Dolores gets injured, you know? whether or not it'll be Fafita or Dorman. I suspect it'll be Fafita just because he's not going to change the – I think because Fafita's been in what this offense has been, mm -hmm. you know, for longer, and he's not going to change horses in midstream. Um, but Fafita's I sort good, of though, – I just have this inkling that, like – if assuming the Jed fish is around for the next three years, that what he really wants to switch the offense to eventually is a, is dormant. But like, I don't think that's a 2023 thing. No, it, I'm sure it's not. I, I was talking to my wildcat radio co-host. Actually, we went to the spring and we watched and everything. We were thinking about, you know, how Arizona will handle the quarterbacks this season. He was kind of thinking that, okay, it'd be nice to get Hafita some, you know, maybe second quarter action, you know, in the first couple of games. I'm like, why? You know, like I don't put in the backup just to get the backup in there. He's like to get him some reps, to get him used to things. I'm like, no, no, because like even for next season when Delora's gone, I don't Wait, know if do Afita's the Delora's starter. Delora's gone at the end of the season? Yeah, I mean, he could have gone pro after this season. I can't see them getting a third season Do you think he's going to go pro? Him. Yeah, I, I can't. If the season goes the way I imagine it will for him, I don't think there's anything he gains from coming back. So hmm. I, I think Arizona has every expectation that this is it for Jaden Delora with them. That I mean, it would be his fourth college because he still has season, a year of you know? eligibility because twenty twenty yeah. didn't count. But yeah, but I, assuming he has a good season, right? Assuming the offense he throws for twenty seven, twenty eight touchdowns, cuts back on the interceptions, some like he's not exactly an NFL style quarterback. But what yeah. does he gain from coming back to school, I don't know, man? So. I mean, maybe he does come back. I I like him a lot, actually. But I think he's going to have a monster I, I, season. I, like, that, I don't know how me. I would bet. I, I actually, if you forced me to place a bet right now, I would bet on him coming back. I wouldn't want to put a lot of money on it. But, like, <laughs> I bet on him coming back. I, I think the expectation is that he doesn't. 
um, just because you know his age and the type of numbers he's expected to put up. But let's, for the sake of argument, say he doesn't come back. Like you're looking for a new quarterback next season. I don't know if it's Fafita or Dorman. Like, or you I know what? Fafita- oh, you know what? I actually have bet on. I bet on he will come back to school, but it won't be Arizona. It'll be like LSU will pay top dollar for him for one season of Jaden. Yeah. Delora. Yeah. I mean, maybe that'll really maybe. hurt. Like, I'm sorry to put that uh, into the universe, but like, oh, man, not really. It, it's kind of like the same way if Jed Fish ends up leaving for a bigger job down the road. Ideally, mm-hmm. he does so with your program in a better spot. Like if Delora has a type of season that brings mm-hmm. someone like LSU on to pay top dollar, chances are he was good. So mm-hmm. and if he was good, then Arizona sure. won some games. And but no, like, I don't know if it's Fafita or Dorman or even door number three next season. But I do think Fafita is good. Like he's got a cannon. He just doesn't have the height. Like the size yeah. is what the only thing he has. And people say if he, I'm just, know, re- I'm really biased against short quarterbacks. I'm sorry. That, that's fair. <laughs> but I always say like if he was three inches taller, he'd be like at USC. I'm he, sure he'd be a four star recruit. I'm like, yeah, if he was no three inches taller, He's not at Arizona. So we have to keep that in mind as well. But there's like seeing that the two quarterbacks that Jet Fish has recruited, you know, the freshman quarterbacks that he had with his recruiting cycles. One is a smaller guy in Fafita, and part of that was probably getting the Servite connection, which clearly worked to get mm-hmm. you know their leader there yeah. and then he goes and gets Braden Dorman who's a different type of looking quarterback now they're both pocket passers but obviously one has the NFL build and the other does not so you know I am I think you're right to wonder what type of offense Jed Fish really wants to run but I've also gotten the impression from him he's going to run whatever offense kind of caters to the quarterbacks he has but it's easy to forget again that Fafita for he doesn't have the size but his skill set his style is more the pocket passer similar to Delora you know, Delora's yeah. not trying to run. He's just more improvisational, but he well, likes to throw the ball. Yeah, I remember when we talked, you know, last year um, during the fall, you know, about Delora, because, you know, I've been watching him for all this time, you know, because he was at Wazoo for all those years. And it was really like, <clears throat> you know, I, you had a good, you know, I, I asked you, like, why is it that in some games when he scrambles, it's like, oh, my God, Jaden, you know, that was a great play. And other times it's like, oh, my God, Jaden, <laughs> what, what the hell was that? And your theory was it depends on what the status of the game is. Like if they're behind and he's trying to play hero ball, that's when it's going to be a disaster. But if like the game's like competitive, like he's, you know, and he's just trying to keep the, you know, keep, keep the ball moving, um, then, you know, it's, a, you know, it's a it's a little better prospect and like, yeah, that basically pans out. Um, and like, yeah, I, I really, especially, you know, in the spring game, they wouldn't shut up about it, but like, I, I basically think that it's true. Like the, his, his, he has a number of assets going for him. The best one is he's been a starting quarterback for all these years, you know, and that like, you know, he's in an offense that in which he's, you know, clearly comfortable. Um, he's got a bunch of assets. It's not changing at all. Like the staff is identical. The players are basically identical. The, you know, like, and that if something goes wrong, you know, and assuming they're not getting clobbered and he feels like doesn't feel a need to play hero ball, I mean, uh, that like, you know, he generally can improvise a pretty decent play out of it. Um, and he generally keeps himself from getting hurt. That's the other thing, like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, and so, you know, in many ways, this sort of like, who's the backup question, I sort of think like, he's pretty good at avoiding injuries, um, you know, in that he's, you know, mobile and keeps himself out of danger. Um, you know, and let's knock on wood um, about that. But like, yeah, I actually think he's, you know, gonna gonna turn in a pretty damn solid performance, you know, for Arizona this year. I don't, you know, I, I do think, you know, I, I continue to note, and I, I said this last year, but like, I don't really think the true deep ball, like the, the air yard deep ball is in his inventory. Like, 
like his windup is kind of wonky. Uh, but whatever, like this offense doesn't really require it to be. You know, Jed Fish, to his credit, designs an offense that works for his quarterback, and his quarterback works for his offense. So, hooray. Yeah, it works in like their quarterback room compared to what it was in Jed Fish's first season. You know, and you had Gunnar Cruz, Will Plummer, Jordan McLeod, and I'm blanking on the walk-on guy. I think with Ashworth, who threw an interception yeah. against Cal. Like, he threw one pass, and it was tipped at the line to take <laughs> off. Like, of course, poor guy, right? Yeah. You know, you look at it now, you have Jay and Delora, who was good last season and has a track record of being good. Is he the best quarterback in the conference? No, but he's you can win with Jay and Delora. And then you have Noah Fafita, who is now an experienced number to who's got some ability. And you have Braden Dorman, who is a four-star recruit. Like, the quarterback room is in strong shape. Now, does Delora gets hurt for any significant amount of time? Is he out? How do things look? I don't know, because Fafita's not proven, right? Yeah. Dorman's not proven. Like, you can say all you want that, oh, they'll be fine, but you don't know. The one thing they do have going for them is, like, the skill position talent outside these guys that they have to work with in the running back room and receiver and tight end is off the charts. Like they are loaded at all. Yeah, spots. if all they do so, is yeah. hand off to these running backs constantly, like okay, <laughs> you yeah. know, like the quarterback doesn't have to be the hero in this offense. They have to be a point guard, right? They have to distribute the football to whoever is open, and obviously the offensive line has to. Yeah, protect. honestly, that's I mean the that's the other thing about yeah. Jaden Delora is that to be perfectly honest, I'm not really certain how great of a quarterback he is because the way that this passing offense works, you know, I noted this last year when we talked before the Oregon game, it's sort of striking is that like, it's a lot of very similar passes. It's a lot of passes that are just, you know, 15 yard square ends right over the middle um, over and over and over and over and over again. And that they had like four receivers who were just, you know, really good at beating their, you know, their coverage off of the break. And like, um, and you had to play a very specific form of coverage in order to shut it down. Oregon figured it out. They actually backed out into a 33 stack, which, which was shocking because Oregon never played that defense before or since. Um, it was crazy. And no other defense tried to do it. I thought it was bizarre. You know, Oregon figured that out in week six, and then nobody else who played Arizona went to a 33 defense for the rest of the year. It was like, they gave you the blueprint to beat this offense and then nobody did. I don't beats me, man. Um, anyway, uh, I, I did sort of think that this offense, I, let me zoom out a little bit. I think that this offense is it, it, one trick pony is not exactly the right way to put it, but like they're really good at a very specific kind of pass. Um, and one of the difficulties with the, you know, so one of the things that's sort of widely noted about Arizona, and it's definitely true, is that, you know, their red zone touchdown percentage, you know, is not good. Like, nope. like in raw stats, the, this team was um, 20th in all of FBS in yards per game, like really good top 20 offense in total yards per game, but it was 82nd in red zone touchdown percentage, Yeah, you know, so like they're unstoppable between the twenties, but they get to the red zone and they're kicking field goals, you know, a lot. And I think there's two things that contribute to it. And um, one of them has to do with the run game, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, but the other one is, I think has to do with the passing game. And that is you can't throw those 15 yard square ends in 
in the red zone because of course you can't, but you know, the defense compresses mm -hmm. in the red zone and it's like suddenly, you know, that's when you need to be able to throw like, you know, fade routes. And like, I didn't really think that Jaden Delora had that as part of his inventory. And that's why I sort of, you know, when you said like, is Jaden Delora the greatest quarterback in the universe? I was sort of like nodding my head a little bit, like, you know, uh, and like, I am a little bit curious to see, you know, when Jaden Delora eventually moves on, like how the rest of Jed Fish's offense works, you know, when it's not just, you know, 15 yard in routes, you know, every single down, you know what I mean? Well, certainly the red zone offense was their point of emphasis after last season, like during the season, but especially that's something they were trying to focus on because yeah, like they offense was like, if you look at just the raw stats, like you look at the yardage gain, they were elite, but the overall points were just fine. Like they left a lot yeah. of points on the board and yep. like, no, they, it runs on offense. didn't cost them to lose to Oregon, but did it cost them against Washington? Mm -hmm. You know, did it cost them against USC? Even that was a close game. Like things are different if you're getting a touchdown instead of that yeah. field goal, especially early in these games. But one of the things I know they're trying to do is recruiting, right? You go get a T-Mac, you know, a six, four receiver. You have your tight ends, McLaughlin, Holy Ken mm -hmm. Burnett, has stepped up this year. You have bigger targets. A.J. Jones, who did a little bit during the spring game, uh, coming in as a redshirt freshman. Like You hope that that helps. But I know some of it is like you don't want to turn the ball over. You throw that fade route or something, yeah. you don't want to get picked off, so you're trying to be safe too. So, you know, people will put that on Delora, and that's part of it. But him using his legs will help, but even more so just the running game in the red zone. You know, well, that's yeah. Where, that's where Arizona's biggest failures were last season. They would have it first and goal from the four, well, and they'd go run for a yard, false start, yep. you know, incomplete pass, yeah. incomplete pass and field goal. So a lot of like a lack of a running game inside the 10, especially in the red zone. And then even just some silly penalties in those areas really set them back. Well, so, you know, it's it's a team effort in why they struggled in those areas. But Delora having more mastery of the offense, having more confidence in his receivers, maybe upgrading his arm strength just a little bit will certainly help. I mean, it, it, and it's not the running backs. I mean, that's the thing is that yeah. the the running backs are excellent. It's an excellent group of running backs, and they're all coming back, right? Michael Wiley's coming back. Jonah Coleman's coming back. A speedy Luke, who I think was injured for most of the year. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was coming back. He looked great in the spring game. I never really got good eyes on him. You know, yeah, like, he was a true <laughs> freshman last year, and I never really got good eyes on him. Um, but, you know, my he was like revelation in the spring game. I was like, God damn um yeah, yeah stevie rocker who i didn't really understand like i thought he was really good in 2021 and then we didn't see him in 22 which i didn't really understand but like i think he's really good um dj williams was pretty good you know last year i didn't see him in the spring game and i was confused why that was in fact he wasn't even listed on the um on the sheet that they handed out before the game but like i don't know maybe he was just held out with some sort of minor injury he still appears yeah. on the official website um everything's cool with him as far as you know, right, Adam? Yes, nothing's been put out there. Like, and that's one of the that's been one of the conversations about camp, though. Like the spring camp is that how they have all these running backs who, in theory, could I mean they should all be able to play somewhere. And you know, Scotty Graham, the running backs coaches, they found a way to keep them happy. They'll understand that they have a role in this offense, and as long as they come ready to play, they're going to get their opportunities. But you mentioned Stevie Rocker, yeah, like he Tucson kid, you know, committed, stuck with them through the coaching change and everything, and was solid as a true freshman. They just upgraded the position. It was nothing yeah. Stevie Rocker did wrong. Just Michael Wiley stepped up his experience. You go get a DJ Williams, who's just this big back. Jonah Coleman was a revelation as a freshman. But, you know, for all the things that they all did well, there was, I think there was one, I want to say it was a Utah game. I guess Michael Wiley, he had a long touchdown run. They said he stepped out of bounds at like the two. He did not. It mm -hmm. was a touchdown. But they scored a touchdown. I think uh, Delora ran it in. But I think back to the ASU game that Arizona won, 
you know, they got a turnover late and it should have iced the game late in the fourth quarter and they ended up with like a, I think Jonah Coleman ran and it was like third and two or something like that. And Arizona didn't get anything on the third down. They went for it on fourth down. And it was a handoff to DJ Williams who tripped over his lineman yeah. and got tackled at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, like the hole was, like... the hole was wide open, mm-hmm. right? It was just a little thing. And that's for Arizona. And I mean, that's the difference between the Arizonas and the Oregon's, the Arizonas and the USC's, or even like the Oregon's and the USC's and the Georgia's and you know, the uprushes, like those small things where you could do everything right. But that one little thing, and it costs you the entire play. You know, you can have the best play call dialed up. And if their lineman false starts or someone misses their assignment or something happens wrong, someone trips over someone, all of a sudden now it doesn't work. And that's where Arizona, just those little things they've been trying to work on as they're trying to fix the talent level is so much better. Now can the focus, level, can the execution be there? Because like maybe two years ago, I mean, certainly two years ago, talent was the issue. Offensively, the offensive line, we'll see. There's some changes there. But skill-wise, talent is no longer the issue for this team. Like, there shouldn't be much excuse for them to not be able to make plays. Yeah, no. I, I, between I mean, the 20s or, you know, inside the 20s. They should be better there. Look, I, de- I definitely think the running back talent is de- is not an issue at all, and definitely not the depth either. I mean, I think they run six or seven deep in terms of scholarship guys. Um, management is kind of an interesting question because I think like, you know, Wiley and Williams and Bombada, I think are all going to run out of eligibility at the end of this year. But the other four guys in the room, Coleman and Luke and Rocker and Brandon Johnson, the freshman, mm-hmm. the true freshman from this season, I are all like very young. So like, maybe all four of those guys decide to stick around and not hit the, you know, seven is a lot of guys to have in a room, but yes. like, but three of them are going to leave at the end of the year because of eligibility. So like maybe those, the four who aren't, you know, are just like, well, four is an appropriate size. So maybe none of them transfer out. I don't know, man. Like I, it'll be interesting to see how that roster gets managed. Huh. The portal is still open for the next two weeks. So we'll see how that goes. But like none of them, pro- like there are yards per carry average are, you know, for the, the four guys who got carries last year, Wiley Williams, Coleman and Luke are all excellent. Like I, you know, none of them are a problem at all. But here's the other thing that I can tell you from charting all of Arizona's games. Um, last, year I, I mentioned this to you um when we talked about because um oregon played uh, arizona as i as i said you know week six and so I, I only had five games worth of data you know to go with when we talked you know last fall and then you know afterwards i went and charted the rest of arizona's games and, I, and and this trend wound up continuing and i promised you i would tell you if it did and, and guess what it did which is um it's the inside versus outside running there's a massive disparity um when Arizona runs outside the tackles, the D gap are wider. Um, they are successful on 62.5% of their plays given the down distance, which is an elite caliber number. Like they are very good at running outside the tackles. Um, However, when they run inside the tackles, you know, C gap, B gap or A gap runs, uh, they are 38.3%. Um, effective which is a very bad number like that's you might as well not be doing it at all um (laughs) and like and it's like you know that explains that if you go look up arizona's like raw stats for their rushing performance that explains why it looks like how do you have running backs who are that good on a yards per carry basis but are running overall rushing performance that that's that's 
you know, that bleh, that's the reason why it's, there's a huge disparity between inside and outside running. And it also, I think, is a big part of what we talked about a moment ago, which is the red zone problems, right? Mm-hmm. Or I think it's at least half of the problem when it comes to the red zone problems is that like the teams that are really good at touchdown red zone touchdown performance, you know what they're really good at? It's running in between the tackles, mm-hmm. either, you know, d- just directly pounding the ball, you know, like three yards, three yards, three yards between the tackles, you know, touchdown, or at the very least, because they're a credible threat to do so, it causes the defense to have to like crowd the line. And then all of a sudden you, it opens up your options in the past. Yeah, you go play action and the yeah, tight end's yeah, wide yeah. open. No right, exactly. Yeah. Because Arizona was not a credible threat to run between the tackles, defenses had their options wide open to them. And that I think was a big reason why they were able to stop Arizona pretty effectively in the red zone. And so, uh, well, I'll let me take a pause there. Adam, do you agree with that assessment? Does that match up with your observations? Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's the why that they're trying to figure out. You know, was it? I mean, their guard play, they had a great right guard, true freshman. Mm-hmm. But it's like, is it the offensive line? Is it running backs making the Oh, it's definitely the it, offensive you know? line. It's definitely so, like, not the running backs. Yeah, it's 100% so. the offensive line. I don't, I don't remember too many times like, oh, there's a hole that the running back missed. You know, it no, happens. No, no, no. Yeah, but, I can tell you that from charting. No, it's not yeah. the running back. And it's all it's all kind of symbiotic, right? Like it's the type of relationship they have together with this. It's like Arizona wants to run the ball. Obviously, everyone wants to run the ball in the red zone. You mm-hmm. don't want to put the ball in the on the red zone. Absolutely not. If you can help it, but the run is kind of or set at the very up least, you want the defense to think to that think you're going to run. Absolutely. Yeah. And but Arizona's strength is also the pass, and mm-hmm. they kind of use the pass to set up the run. But it's hard to do that inside the twenty. But yeah, you also, I, I, it's really hard to run outside in in, in, in the red yeah, zone because everything's of the way so that, condensed. Yeah, right, precisely. So, and that's one of the things where Arizona. I mean, Jed Fish is an offensive coach, and you'd like to think he could figure that out. You know, that with more time, I don't think you can then, figure it out. I think you have to recruit your way out of it. Well, but that's I'll, what I I'll have some comments on the offensive line at the end of the podcast yeah, about it. But I don't think you can smart your way out of it. I think you can only recruit your way out of it, and I think it takes time to do that. And that's why no. I, I'm going to ultimately wind up concluding that I don't think this is going to improve in 2023. But like, you got to have faith well, that it well, will Canada eventually. Too. Like Rich Rodriguez, when he was at Arizona, their offensive line was never that great, but they had a running quarterback and their running attack in the red zone was outstanding. I you know, don't know, man. Ways, I don't know if you can trust Jaden Delord. I don't think Jaden Delord is that type of running quarterback. Oh, he, he's not. He's not. But the threat of him being that guy could open things up too. But no, I, I think there's things that they can do with this scheme, maybe the blocking assignments, but mostly it's just, you know, when you're down there, not to use cliches, but it's hat on a hat, you know, it's beat the guy opposite from you. And that's what the best teams can do inside the five, inside the 10, is that you you know they're going to run it up the middle. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, they're just that yeah. good at it. And Arizona's running backs certainly don't appear to be the problem. Now, Graham, when you have like a speedy Luke out there, he's a threat to get to that edge and just run by you. You know, DJ Williams, it's it's kind of like the the way they look. Like, you don't expect speedy Luke to run up the middle to be the guy between the tackles. So yeah, but I mean, if there, I'm a defense, I'm yeah. not putting my inside linebackers like in the A-gaps against Arizona no. in the red zone. Like Until I'm putting them, I'm way. putting them as overhang backers to defend mm-hmm. the edge because that's, uh, if Arizona is going to run, I'm not worried about the A-gaps. I'm worried about Luke, you know, going to the outside. So I'm going to try to tackle him off the edge. And that's where you got to improve and make them. Yeah. Make them. Make I, the yeah. You got to make them yeah. defend the A-gaps and, yeah. and there's nothing about Arizona's block and like spoiler alert when we get to the offensive line i don't think that's changing no i mean it's it's hard to say there's gonna be changes on the offensive line do they make does it make the line better we'll see <laughs> but yeah. but certainly like it's 
that's the one thing about this offense now kind of, I don't know if you want to put a bow on it because like the receivers are excellent to you as Jory and senior, oh, yeah. but I don't think it's going to hurt them too bad, but that skill positions, they are absolutely loaded. And if they're not like oh, the yeah. best in the conference, they are plenty good enough, you know, but as anyone knows, an offensive line could be the undoing of any good offense. Sure. So yeah. Well, let's talk about the wide receivers and the tight ends. Um, so I mean, basically bring back everybody except for Dorney and Singer. You know, as we talked about last year, um, they were really just throwing it to four guys. Um, I mean, it was kind of freaky how much it was just four guys. Um, it was uh, the tight end, Tanner McLaughlin, which is kind of a, a, a freaky thing because he was like a, an unrated FCS transfer. Yeah, but had, had an ACL freaky. injury, came to Arizona, yeah. rehab, and all of a sudden came just out of nowhere. Like, it just was like really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jacob Cowing, who was like a two star from UTEP, but hey, he's really great too. Uh, Tetro McMillan, who was great as everybody expected. Um, and then uh, Dorian Singer, who was the holdover, you know, thus demonstrating the unsentimentality or the the like unselfishness of Jed Fish. Like, I don't care if you're a Sumlin guy, you're good. You're well, Singer was a Singer was a walk on, but in Fish's oh, was first he? season, yeah, he was. Oh, a he was. A, he had he had some weird COVID seasons type stuff where. His recruit. He was supposed to committed to Texas, and then they had a coaching change and kind of dropped him. And then he was just kind of like, "I need to go somewhere." So he ended up with Arizona. He was a freshman in the twenty twenty one season. He was a point eight five in the yeah two four seven. He was a walk-on. no reason he should have been a walk on. Oh, that's right. He came on strong towards the end of that season. You're like, okay, this guy is actually pretty good. But then, yeah, being able to be the guy who led the conference in receiving yards with that offense, you know, with Jacob Ken, yeah. with D-Mac, well, like with, if yeah. Arizona had a, you know, a deep guy, a like, hey, run down the sideline, you know, dude, it was Dorian Singer, and it was interesting watching in the spring game because it looked like they were trying to move, you know, Cowling out to be more of an outside receiver. Yeah, that's their plan so far. And so then, you know, so it's less like, how do you replace Dorian Singer and more like, well, how do you replace Cowing as the slot guy? And it looked like they were going with Kevin Green, number 12, mm-hmm. um, yeah. as the most likely candidate. He was on the red team or the white team. You know, they were wearing white, but they were called <laughs> reds, um, uh, uh, you know, for that purpose. And I think that's how, I, I mean, I sort of expect, even though that they have, you know, some other options here, um, I sort of expect it's going to be, you know the same thing all over again. Like it's just going to be four guys. It's going to be McLaughlin, uh, cowing, but on the outside now, McMillan and, uh, and, and green, um, as the, as the new inside guy. And that even though they have some interesting, you know, other dudes like Keon Burnett, you know, is the tight end. And, uh, you know, they brought in a pretty well-regarded, um, a true freshman Malachi Riley. Um, like I really feel like those guys are probably going to be sitting on the bench a whole lot. And is really just going to see those four dudes, McLaughlin, McMillan, cowing and green. Um, do you think I'm wrong about that? Maybe a little bit now, not like your overall premise is sound because even fish is talking about, he comes from the NFL. You play your best guys. Yeah. Like who are you, who are you taking off the field? Like why is cowing sitting? If he's not hurt, why is yeah. T Mac not on the field? Well, Cause right? you want to give your backup some experience in case somebody gets hurt is the reason in theory, why Jed that's like in, in theory, but you don't, you also don't want to bank on guys getting hurt. Like these guys are getting reps in practice, obviously, but I mean, but I get it. I'm not sure. Like I like Kevin Green Jr. He's a highly regarded recruit. He has the look of a guy who could excel out of the slot. You know, he had a few catches in the mm-hmm. spring game. Like he's got that first crack. But yeah, Malachi Riley came in. Like he's been productive. People have been very impressed with him. Like a former four star. I think he got hurt and then kind of fell on, went under the radar a little bit. They bring they have him. Like there's guys who I don't know if that third receiver spot is totally settled. Like the year going into last season, Dorian Singer had kind of earned. You it mean the the spot that I'm penciling Kevin Green in for? Yeah. 
like that that you know, this Jacob Cowing spot, but the the role that's been vacated, right? The mm-hmm. new receiver that's coming into that lineup. I think Kevin Green could take that job and be very, very good. But he hasn't proven like Dorian Singer in 2021 proved that he was a legitimate player, that he could handle things, that he belonged on the field. And of course, you're not sitting T Mac or Cowing. But you know, if Kevin Green comes out there the first couple of games and he's catching four or five passes and is dynamic, making plays, not putting the ball on the ground, then he might as well he probably keeps that role for a long time. But I could also see more worlds where maybe like an AJ Jones as a red shirt freshman at six four gets on the field, maybe in some red zone package. Well, I think you just named the only other returning scholarship dude is the issue. Like, you know, because the only other dudes that I saw who were on the the roster last year who were playing in the spring game were Jaden Clark and Chris Hunter, who, as far as I'm aware, are walk-ons. And then the literally the only other people who are on the roster are all true freshmen. It's Malachi Riley, Devin Hyatt, Jackson Holman, and then Carlos Wilson is also a true freshman, but he's not even on campus yet. And those yeah. guys were all playing because they, you know, like we were, I was saying off air before we started recording, they emptied the clip, man. Like everybody who has a jersey number for Arizona basically played in the spring game. And I mean, it's actually a pretty small wide receiver room. In terms of dudes who are on scholarship, it's Cowan McMillan, Green Jones, and then the four true freshmen that I just mentioned. Like there's eight dudes on scholarship plus the two walk-ons who played in the spring game so like if it's not green it's jones or a true freshman so i mean it's got to be green like what do you (laughs) you know for the slot because jones is huge he's six four you could always move cowing back into the slot though well you're right okay you're right about it you're right and then like rex haynes another one of the walk-on guys six four like they have oh haynes oh i hadn't heard it did he not play in the spring game I don't remember if he was out there. Okay. I know people have been impressed with him in camp too. He's made some plays, but, but he's a yeah. It, in terms of proven proven returners, they have what in, rec- in receiver room two, you know, in mm-hmm. Cowing and T Mac. But they, I think that's what they want is those options. Like Jacob Cowing, obviously, like he excelled out of the slot last season. You know, sure. by moving him to the outside, you're now changing two positions as opposed to changing mm-hmm. one. Now Cowing's you're that right. good, and doing this will help his NFL prospects. And Arizona wants him to get to the NFL. They want to have Jacob Cowing, University of Arizona, announced in one of the couple first, you know, first two days of the NFL draft. But you have this, you move guys around, and you just have those options. And I mean, last season those receivers stayed healthy. <laughs> Cowing got mm-hmm. hurt against UCLA. I remember, I'm like, oh no, he's going to be out for the season, and he came back the next week. He was, yeah. he played. So injuries can happen, and to expect your receivers to get through a season unscathed again might be a tall order. But I do think Arizona's confident. Like, do they think that AJ Jones could go out there and be a starting receiver, play you know, forty-five snaps, get ten targets a game? I don't know, but I think they're comfortable with him. I think they're comfortable. Like Malachi Riley's had a good camp. You had that long touchdown in the spring game, and he's a guy who the talent is there. So. You know, if those guys are your third option or even your fourth option, if you count McLaughlin as your third option, along with the running backs out of the backfield, you could do a lot worse. Yeah. So, it's just, you know, when yeah. you're sort when you start talking about putting true freshmen on the field, like, you know, you've got tr- true freshmen like Tetro and McMillan, who are almost five stars, you know, the, the true freshmen who came in in this class, like they're not, you know, like it, 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 it depends on the play because Dorian Singer was a true freshman in 2021 and was arguably their best receiver by the end of the season. Yeah, so, that's so weird, you know, though, like, do you feel like there was something, uh, whatever he's at USC now? I don't want to talk about him. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about the offensive line. Um, uh, okay, so Jordan Morgan, um, left hat <clears throat> definitely could have gone to the NFL, gets injured, decides to come back to Arizona, uh, 
didn't play in the spring game because I think he's still rehabbing, but he yeah. is definitely coming back and playing in the fall, right? There's no funny business going on. No, like Jed Fish okay. said after the end of the spring game, he said like everybody who like if nothing changes over the course of the offseason until fall camp, that everyone should be ready to go. Okay. Um, obviously coming off an, an ACL injury that happened later in the season. Will Jordan Morgan be full go or will he be on the field like kind of round back in his shape? We'll see because I mean they need him. He was their best lineman last season. He was going to be an NFL draft pick if he doesn't tear his knee up. So if he can get back in, I mean, unquestionably year, best lineman. Like, like a, you know, I, I think he was one of the best left tackles in the Pac-12. Yeah. Um, his growth and, was impressive from his freshman year to where he was last season. So in charting Arizona, I counted uh, seven different dudes who were getting substantial, you know, numbers of reps. Um, uh, they lose um, in, in uh, assuming Morgan really and truly is back. Um, they lose two of those seven dudes, uh, Josh Donovan, um, who was playing left guard and uh, Peyton fears, who was playing right tackle. Mm -hmm. uh, but they bring back the other five guys. And so it's sort of like, well, this is obvious, you know, <laughs> what the starting lineup is going to be, right? You know, it's it's going to be, you know, Morgan again at left tackle. You know, you figure, uh, uh, well, actually, in the spring game, it was a little interesting. Um, they they moved Lange over to right guard. They moved uh, Savayanea, um, who the was right tackle. The, the true freshman right guard right last year. Yeah, they moved him to right tackle. So actually, that is a bit of a question mark, you know, whenever you move a guard um, to a tackle and a young one, you know, at that, you yeah, it's sort of, you know, we'll have to keep our eye on, on how that goes. Sometimes, you know, guard to tackle doesn't uh, always work out. So, you know, that's a question mark. But other than that, you know, like Baker's going to continue at center. You know, Mo, who was uh, um, Wendell Mo, who was, uh, uh, you know, came in and, and played left guard. For, the end, for yeah. Three. yeah, he was a true freshman. He came in and played left guard for three games last year. He, he was fine. You know, he'll play left guard again, you know, in 2023. Uh, you know, Lange, as I said, at right guard. You know, so, you know, I expect it's going to be, you know, Morgan at left tackle, Mo at left guard, Baker at center, Lange at right guard, Savayanea at uh, right tackle. Ba you know, hey, bang, you're done. Like, uh, and all of those guys had, you know, extensive you know or as extensive as it gets in the pac 12 starting experience last year like done right i, I would not expect that to be the week one offensive really? line uh, oh. arizona has been linked to a couple of the guys in the transfer portal i could see them wanting i they're going with savane at right tackle i think to see if he can do it and it probably doesn't hurt him to get those reps in spring ball but he was an excellent right guard and there's a reason they had him there to start i think ideally they would find a veteran right tackle from the portal to plug into that spot, move Savanea back to the inside, and then you have the offensive line, mm -hmm. I think. Um, I think Sam Lange is a nice swing guy, but I don't think you necessarily want him starting for you anyway. Well, it would be nice if him. they were able to do that and they could count on such a dude um, at right yeah. tackle. I'm still, frankly, to be a little skeptical, uh, you know, I, I I have yet to see it work out, the transfer offensive linemen. I know there's a lot of teams, Oregon inclusive, um, that are counting on transfer offensive linemen. I've yet to see it work out. So, like, I'm 2023 is going to be a big experimental year. Um, but if they pull that off, the other thing that I wanted to say about Arizona's offensive line is that, like, I'm kind of, you know, the the, as good as you know it, it was nice to see seven different guys playing getting experience because that's nice for the starting lineup in 2023 and having like a one leftover dude if they bring in a portal guy who's experienced to be good so then you have a sixth man because what then becomes leftover is guys who didn't play last year you know like mm -hmm. uh you know there's like no experience right like uh and and it's not like these were are highly recruited guys either you know like um 
you know, so it'd be nice to have like a, a, an additional portal guy come in so that you had a six man instead of having to plug in a totally green, not highly recruited guy. You know what I mean? Which which could work out, right? Offensive line is one of those weird spots where yeah. with the right coaching and the right identifying of talent, you could make it work within the system. Like Joseph Borjon, who is a JUCO transfer, mm -hmm. guy's a monster, 6'8", 320. Right? You got Rhino. Like this is one of the better names. I'm going to just butcher his last name. Like Rhino Tapa to tie or something like mm -hmm. that. You know, just I actually the think you got type it. of teams. So hopefully, we'll see. You know, this isn't an Arizona podcast, so I don't know who's going to call me out on it. But like, there is some potential there, and the room itself is less proven than like, the running back room or the receiver room. But there is some intriguing talent with that developmental talent. Well, in that group. So that's what I think they're excited about. But certainly, like in terms of guys, you could say put them out there week one, and the offensive line is going to be good and solid. They're still short, maybe one or two linemen for that. It's a it's a better depth situation than a lot of uh, that I've looked at over the years where it's like if one guy goes down, oh, my God, this is a catastrophe because we're going to have to put in like a walk on or a true freshman, you know, or something like that. Like, it's better than that. Like, they're going to be putting in a, a dude who's on scholarship and has been in the program for several years. You yeah. know, it's, it's not that bad. And they have multiple dudes. You know, it's not like I frankly, I couldn't even tell you who it would be because I think there's like six of them, you know, uh, plus four true freshmen, you know, right now, you know, there's there's 10 potential backups to put in um, who are all on scholarship, uh, you know, uh, so like this is not the worst by any stretch of imagination. It's just that they're not experienced and they're we're not talking about like four stars here we're talking you know mid mid three stars you know for the most part yeah. so it's well, it not the best be depth situation either like, it um, doesn't figure to be a strength that the key for them is it not being a weakness like if um, the line is just capable if it's passable then you'd like to think that the quarterback their skill guys will have enough right like get those guys the ball in space see what can happen but i wouldn't look at this line to say like that's gonna be one of the better lines in the pack 12 well you know, i mean if, honestly if they're, the if middle there then the offense will be just fine the, given given the that it's you know it looks like it's returning basically you know basically their starters from last year like i actually would but you know hey man this is the pack 12 uh <laughs> yeah i actually would put it in the top half it's just that that's not saying much <laughs> yeah, we just but, said, oh, the offensive line was the problem in the red zone but, but well, that's exactly where I wanted to return to. Yeah, it is like it totally is. And, and like and, and here's the thing is that like I, they were the problem in the red zone. And I think they're going to continue to be the problem in the red zone because like the, it's sort of at this point in their careers, like, you know, Sam Lange's a redshirt senior, you know, Josh Baker's a junior, you know, like it's not like these guys were freshmen last year where you could say, OK, but in year two. Now they're going to be opening up the holes, you know, like upperclassmen last year who were starters and upperclassmen this year who were starters. They're still not going to be opening up holes in the red zone. That's my prediction. Like, I, I mean, I guess I'd be happy to be wrong about that. But like, I just it, you don't see it. Um, and I still think that they're probably going to have the same problems. Um, that's why I really kind of don't have much of like, I really think this offense is going to look just bang on identical to last year. It's all basically all the same people. It's all the same coaching. I think they're going to have all the same strengths, which is going to be their unstoppable between the twenties, you know, because of the, 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 you know, what passing strengths they have and the, you know, um, and, and, uh, and outside running. But I also don't really think that they're going to have, you know, um, a, a, tr a true, you know, through the air deep ball um, because of, 
uh, well, because of Singer and, and and absence because of Delora's arm. I don't think they're going to have a, a, an inside the tackle run game um, because of this offensive line. And, and so I don't think they're going to be able to score touchdowns from 80 yards out. And I don't think they're going to be able to score touchdowns from, you know, five yards out. And so I think it's going to look identical to last year. Um, that's my prediction. Adam, do you think I'm crazy? I think it's depressing to hear that. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> the prediction, but I mean, it's entirely possible. Like, I mean, Arizona's strength—none like, of their strengths from last season have become weaknesses. In yes, fact, you I think that, that is their true. Strengths are at least as good as they were, if not maybe slightly better in certain cases. So the question is, can the offensive line or can guys improve? Can Jay and Delora be slightly better than he was last season? Mm. Does the improvement that a guy like Tetra McMillan makes? You know, does he have more viable red zone threat than he even was before? Keon Burnett, McLaughlin, same thing. Do they have, you know, if, if Jacob Cowings on the outside, does that what does that change? Kevin Green maybe at a dimension. Like there's things that can improve in certain areas, but are they going to improve enough to offset an offensive line that maybe doesn't improve from last season? And that's that's a fair question. Because like I said, I don't think the offensive line has to be a strength, but it just can't be a weakness. And they can't have those crippling, crushing, you know, false starts on mm. first and goal from the three that just you know, sets you back or that holding penalty that ends I mean, that drive and forces the field goal. Like penalties will happen, but that was more, I mean, like, yeah, they didn't open up holes, but the penalties in those situations were just killer for them last season. And they're killer for everyone. It's not like when it says like, there's not, a, there's never a good time to turn the ball over, right? There's a bad mm-hmm. time for a turnover. There's never a good time to turn the ball over. There's never a good time to have a holding penalty. There's never a good time to have a false start, but Arizona, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know they had issues with that in some big moments last season. But you know when false starts so. happen, it's when they're doing plays that like you're not super comfortable with. You know, false starts don't happen when you're running the same inside zone play that you've run a million times before. Well, sir, and let me introduce you to Arizona football. Yeah. You know, that's sort of where like false starts aren't a product of being of your offensive lineman being good. False starts are a product of your offensive line being like, oh, man, I got to pull on this play all the way around because we're running this this outside play that like we only do it like twice in practice. And it's so weird. And oh, I I jumped like I'm telling you, man, it's you know, if you get good at, 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 you know, the plays that you're really comfortable with, you know you don't get those penalties like you know the 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 penalties are a product of 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 not being good at what or are comfortable at what, with what you're good at if you get good you stop getting penalized you know it's it, yeah they're they're, they're related questions it's all tied together so i i don't i can't disagree with you and say no they're going to be great in the red zone like they're going to be an improved offense but i think there's ways there's areas they can improve even like the between the 20s, right? Like they can move the ball differently there. Fewer turnovers would help. And just more opportunities to score. I mean, hey, two field goals is worth almost one touchdown if you include the, you know, <laughs> without the extra points. So like there's areas where they can get better, but certainly if they're going to take a step in for maybe one or two steps forward as an offense and be truly elite, they're going to have to improve in the red zone. And that's going to come down to the offensive line taking a massive step forward with guys who, you know, maybe can get there, but you can't expect them to do so. One last note before we move on from the offensive line, um, and I'm going to circle back to this. So just like put a pin in this. Um, It's a good looking recruiting class for these four uh, freshmen offensive linemen. Their average um, two for seven talent rating just for the four freshmen is 0.8674, which is a high. It's it's a mid three star, but it's high ish. Um, Whereas the room prior to their, you know, coming in was a 0.8393, which is a, you know, a low uh, three star. So, you know, substantial improvement. In fact, just in the offensive line, it's a big it's three times bigger of an improvement than the the team as a whole. Um, oh yeah. 
so you know but put a pin in that i'll come back to that you know at the end of the podcast now um good. let's switch over and talk about the defense yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, That's what held them back last season, right? Yeah. If they were even a decent defense last season, they're going to bowl game. But they were not decent most of the time, and that's why they did not go to a bowl game. Should we just republish last year's preview? Would that just be easier? There are some interesting changes on the defense. Um, Unfortunately, and I think there are some areas where they improved. Unfortunately, I think there are also some areas where they lost some talent. And in ways where I think, like, it balances out so much with the improvements that I think the defense is going to wind up being a wash. And so therefore I can't really make a prediction that I think the defense is going to take a step forward. Um, before I get into specifics, that's sort of my overall prediction for the defense. What do you think about that, Adam? I, I, I think there's a very reasonable chance that the defense is going to improve. Now does the improved defense make them look good? Like this isn't going to be desert swarm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like improvement for them is just being competent most mm-hmm. of the time. I do think, I mean, they've lost some guys, but like Keon Bars was a solid player for them. Yeah. Christian Roland Wallace was a solid player. Yeah. Jackson Turner was a solid player. Yep. But were any of those guys game changers? And I'm well, not, I think I'm not, Roland Wallace was a game changer I mean, in theory, but I don't, I don't think he had more than like three or four interceptions. I don't think the, more, like, I think the structure of Arizona's defensive front is such that you're not going to see game changers in the defensive line, but I think you will note some absences. That, and that and that's what I that's like. That's why I'm like, I liked Christian Roland Wallace. He was a solid player, and I didn't mind that he transferred. It made sense to me. I mean, you know, whatever. If he can get mm-hmm. paid a little bit more and have a better chance to get in the NFL, by all means. He was a good wildcat for the duration of his career up until this season. But I do wonder if some of the guys they brought in and some of the guys they had last season who started to come on late, like your Ty Ty Ugalilis, like your Jacob Kangaikas, like your uh, Russell Davis, Sterling Lane, you know, both deuces actually, Deuce Davis and Deuce Lane, with another year under their belt, can be more playmakers along the defensive line. And then the transfers they brought in, like a Justin Flo, for example, Bill Norton, guys who have potential to be more, blanking on the linebacker from Washington, too, who they brought in. Um, I'm just a linebacker from Washington, too. Uh, um, <laughs> I count like, uh, on Justin Floor more than a Washington than a Washington linebacker, and that's saying my, something. And, uh, and that's fair. I got Daniel Himalay, Himalay, Himuli. The, the, the names here are just going to wreck me, and that's what on my podcast too. I st- you just uh, I call him Dan, um, you know. But they have gotta, more guys. Got to learn poly the, names if you're going to talk about West Coast football, dude. Especially Arizona, where they're going. But yep. but that's where I think there is a possibility for more playmakers. Whereas like Jerry Roberts was good for them last year he wasn't the problem for them but he wasn't the type of guy who's going to make the play that wins you a game or that changes the dynamic of a game i think justin flow could be that guy i think someone the cornerbacks they do have evasions price not coming takario mm-hmm. davis they got another guy yates charles yates who's been impressive during camp i think these are the type of players who could with this system having another season of being installed right because johnny nansen was i think Arizona's like fourth defensive coordinator in four years yeah right was, so there's yeah, no content yeah, there's no continuity there. So there's another year, and he's unproven too, Johnny Nansen. Absolutely, there's questions about him. But I do think the talent level on this side of the ball has been upgraded, even with the losses they did suffer. So they're basically running a 4-2-5 at this point, um, or what I would call a 4-2-5. Um, the, uh, the interesting thing is that last year, the they had Hunter Eccles, a transfer in from USC from a change, um, yeah. who was effectively, even though I just called it a 4-2-5, and he was the, you know, a, the 4, um, in that he was playing what... Uh, maybe we better described as an OLB position. Like he was sort of a stand-up end. Um, 
and he was, in my opinion, their by far the most effective player in the front anyway. Not um, just your opinion. That's that was a fact. Uh, yeah. In fact, like I had an entire <laughs> like video clip compilation in my preview article for, for the you know the 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 week right before they played Oregon that was just like, here's what happens if you don't block Hunter Eccles. Like um, you know, he was yeah, you know, he was really great. They are unfortunately losing him. Um <clears throat> they and I think that's actually a pretty significant blow. Like I um uh, but I want to put a pit in that and talk about the defensive tackles or, you know, right in the middle. Um, they're losing Cam uh, Bars, as you mentioned, Paris Shan, Deion Wilson. Um, I think those guys are pretty significant losses. You know, they were big pluggers um, in the middle. Um, they are bringing back, uh, they're all transferred out, which is sort of interesting. Um, also, JB Brown, although I think he had left earlier. Yeah, um, he kind of bounced a little earlier and was yeah. like, what's going on here? And yeah, he officially transferred. Yeah. So they bring back uh, Tiaoli Sauvea, um, uh, Tai Tai Uyangalele, um, although I didn't see him in the spring game and his absence was kind of conspicuous. Um, uh, J- Jacob Kangaika, who you mentioned, um, but all of these guys were sort of like, they were all backups last year and didn't get nearly as many reps. Um, and it was interesting because the two transfers or actually three transfers that they brought in, um, Bill Norton, the four star from Georgia, uh, uh, Tyler Manoa, um, from UCLA who like he was, they brought him in as a defensive lineman and they switched him over to offensive line. And now Arizona's back on the back defensive, defensive line, yeah. line and then an FCS transfer um Chase Randall you know those guys were playing pretty extensively in the spring game too um I, I also saw um a, a low three-star uh Evan Branch Hayes mm-hmm. um so like they've got a lot of bodies here is what I'm saying or like, I was seeing like seven different bodies um and there's I think there's um an eighth Uyunglele um who's you know I don't know what the story is there um and, and uh, actually I think there's a ninth too Isaiah John who I didn't see him in the spring game either. Um, and he wasn't listed on the handout. Um, I'm not sure what the story is that with that with that guy, too. Um, so like there's a lot of bodies here, but none of them are particularly experienced. Like, like I said, Norton um only got three tackles last year, at Georgia, and frankly, I think he's carrying some bad weight. Um, Manoa was switched over an offensive line, you know, like UCLA didn't really use him, although I thought he looked, you know, kind of good in the spring game, although he was going up against Arizona's offensive lines. <laughs> Who knows what that means? Um, yeah, it's sort of like there's I feel like there are a lot of bodies here. Um, they're big bodies, you know, right? Like they, they look the part. Um, like Bill Norton's big and <laughs> in a in a way where I think maybe he could reshape his body a little bit, maybe, but like but like it's big question marks, man. Whereas like I didn't, you know, I didn't have question marks about bars and shand, you know, like I knew what those guys were getting me. Um, and I do have question marks about, uh, about these, you know, defensive tackles. And I, I feel like the fact that Arizona wasn't able to stop the run. And I mean, listen, brother, they were not able to stop the run. They were 33% mm-hmm. effective against the run last year. I mean, more than anything else, that was their undoing. I, I, you know, I complained a lot about the offense not being able to score in the red zone. That was a trivial problem compared to the fact that they couldn't stop the run on the defense. Not being able to stop the run on the defense is the first and foremost problem that Arizona had. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and the fact that they're replacing all of their defensive tackles makes their primary problem, in my opinion, get worse. And that's why yeah. I'm pessimistic about Arizona improving this year. I will stop ranting now, Adam. No, I, I'm crazy. No, I, I think it's interesting because 
like Keon Bars was not the problem for Arizona last season. He's a solid player. Paris Chan is not the problem. He's a solid player. But they were key guys on a team that couldn't stop their run. Yeah. So yeah. if they would have brought those two guys back, would you be saying you're confident in them stopping the run? Probably I not. would have liked to see a sophomore and a freshman who's uh, get better, and instead they left. Right. But, but my, my point is, like, they had those guys. Like, they were the part of this defense that wasn't. I'm not saying that they're going to be better because they're gone. They, like I said, they're not the problem. I liked Paris Shand a lot, actually. They developed him into a pretty good player and Keon Bars as well. But what Arizona does have, like you mentioned, they have a lot of bodies here, big bodies. They kind of reshape this, the look of this roster. And they're not looking for their defensive tackles to be necessarily impact guys. They're supposed to be space eaters. You know, mm-hmm. kind of plug some holes, take up a blocker or two, and hope that the defensive ends. Like, Kangaika played well towards the end of last season. Uh, Russell Davis, Deuce Davis, was undersized, but like a true freshman, he is quick. And he's bulked up a little bit more this season. It is the type of defense they're trying to run and what they need from their defensive linemen. Also changes by based on the linebackers they've now added. You know, more playmakers at linebackers. So I don't think you're looking at maybe these defensive tackles the way that they're going to be used, like what their purpose is. That's not to say that we could count on them because there's a lot of new faces there in new roles. But I do think what Arizona has done with their front seven or since last season ended, I think they've improved it. Are certain positions better than others or are certain positions maybe slight downgrade while others are upgrades? Yeah. But I think overall their front seven is in a better place this season than it was last season. Hmm. Uh, I think, well, the overall talent, you know, just like I just said for the offensive line, the overall talent has definitely jumped. Like it's, you know, doing the same exercise, you new guys versus old guys. It's, you know, new guys, it's 0.87 uh, three one old guys it's 0.8389 so again a huge transformation it's just a question of like you know that you got to wait for the new guys you know yeah. like to come online you know so again you know it's sort of you know spoiler alert my message is going to be you got to wait for the trenches to improve um and i you know i kind of don't think it's going to happen in 2023 but like there's hope on the horizon um Anyway, the defensive ends, um, uh, uh, Orn Patu brought in him in from Cal. Um, uh, but otherwise, it's a bunch of freshmen here. I think they're counting on, like you said, uh, Russell Davis um, and, and Jason Harris. Uh, anybody else on the end spot? Uh, Sterling Lane. Sterling he was Lane. A four, he was a four-star going into last, like as a freshman. I played a little bit towards okay. the end of last season, but... Yeah, he's it was a, a little confusing pre- because what they had to do for the spring game was split the, the team in two. Yeah, so yeah. I had he was playing that OLB Hunter Eccles spot. But yeah, I think he's actually an end. Yeah. Um, yeah. OK. So then on that OLB thing, I, I pretty much think it's Jeremy Mercier, who was the Utah transfer, who was um, um, who was like backing up Hunter Eccles last year. And then um, Isaiah Ward. And then interestingly, uh, Amon Kafusi who I think is a, a walk-on. I think he's a coach's kid. Yeah. Yeah. Linebacker coach. Um, but yeah, I think they've got like two or three guys, you know, there. And then I think, yeah, Lane bumps over back to be an end instead of that sort of stand-up, you know, OLB uh, guy. Although he's like 220. I don't know. But like they've got enough bodies, you know, to play the end, yeah. you know, there. Okay. Well, let's I'll talk rotate about, through some guys there for sure. Let's talk about the uh, inside linebackers. Um so, yeah, Justin Flo is the interesting one there. Um, you know, it's probably uh, Arizona fans are probably sick of hearing this by now, but I mean, it's definitely true. Like he's, he's a phenomenal physical talent. Like, I mean, I had to do film study on the guy for three years, like or really a year in a couple of games because he was injured for all of 2020 and 2021. Um, 
like i mean it's crazy i put a couple of clips in my articles over the years where i swear to god he has superpowers like there there's a clip in one game where i swear he just like teleports in between two frames <laughs> like i mean it's just crazy um but he's a wild man you know he just like plays so undisciplined and like in a mm -hmm. position where you can't uh, you can't afford for that to be the case like in fact arizona you know gets a huge run you know uh in in their game against oregon last year because justin flows out of position he was sort of ironic yeah. that he goes to arizona so but like if he can not be that you know like if he can get his head together like he he'll be a first round draft pick he'll be the greatest linebacker of all time it's just like i don't know if it's gonna happen or not you know like beats me but if you're arizona you absolutely have to take that chance oh yeah and that's yeah. where he's they've loved him in camp talk about how he's almost better than they thought he was that obviously the the physical ability is there just because you have it the mental ability and just can he stay healthy yeah. and oh, that's the, the last question too. you don't know like is he injury prone or is it fluky things like i yeah, don't know what happened yeah, with him know, there yeah. but it's football guys get being you know get dinged up but you figure like he's made this transfer maybe he thinks the defense fits him a little bit better maybe he has more responsibility he knows he's going to play who knows what that does to his mentality but arizona's been very pleased with justin Flo. and yeah i mean to have a chance to get a player like that and you don't get him out of high school if you're arizona because you're arizona but if he can be 80 percent of the player he was expected to be out of high school then arizona has themselves a really good linebacker who's a game-changing type talent who's the type of guy who can make that big play that wins you a game or that changes a drive ends a drive does something he even in the spring game early on he had the tackle them led to a forced yeah. fumble you know i mean he and did that like, against fresno state in the yeah. first game in 2021 like he i mean it was like that it was it was like for it was like freaky it, it was almost exactly the same tackle and exactly the same forced fumble and i was you know first time out i was like oh, i was like you know future repeating itself uh you know and it's like but i mean it's not hypothetical it's like the guy will get you a fumble that nobody else will get you but he'll also give up like three big plays that'll that will give up scores that like adjust a guy you know a jag player who's just doing his job wouldn't give mm -hmm. up and it's like how do you balance that and the way that oregon balanced it in 2022 when he was healthy was that he rode the bench yeah, and that's <laughs> what know. Arizona. That's that's up to Johnny Nansen and his coaching staff to really get him to play within the context of the defense. And yeah. you know, he, he's a college player, college kid who hasn't played a lot of in-game. That's true. Like anybody reasons, who's so, like, oh, you know. the 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 ship has sailed on this guy because he's a fourth-year player. It's like he missed two years with injury. You know, yeah. like that's a lot of developmental time. That... But I know if you're, it's kind of like Jaden Delora last season. You know, you'll take the you hope that the the good and the really really good outweighs the bad. And yeah. if Justin flows on the field, if he can stay healthy, I think Arizona is going to be very pleased with him just because the physical, like Arizona defensively, they were slow. You know, they didn't have the yeah. athletes. They didn't have the strength. They didn't have the yeah. quickness, the speed. No, that's very and Justin true. Flo is the type of guy who has all those things, who is someone who, if he's on the field, I imagine opposing offenses are having a game plan for. Yeah, he's too They're fast. To like, he'll overrun the play. I mean, oh, that's for the, sure. I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I didn't come on this podcast to, like, trash talk Justin Flo. Like, that's not. But, like, well, I mean, there's a reason you're right that Oregon. he's fast, but then he's, like, he's too fast, you know? Like, he, <laughs> you know. But that, that's what they have to coach him. That's where he has to learn and yeah. hopefully grows into that role. But I imagine if you're an opposing offense, you're looking at number 10, like, seeing where he's lining up and yeah. that's something that arizona hasn't had since what scooby right maybe yeah, right. like even when colin schooler was around he was a good player but i don't know if he was as good as what just flow can be i mean it's potential right it's hypothetical for him but like you see how it could be that way it's not a stretch to say he could be that guy if he can stay healthy and if he can just take that you know grow a little bit mental inside of the game and that's something that arizona desperately needed who's going to make it a lot easier for everyone else around him if he can stay healthy and if he can be that guy but now they've been super happy with him 
And, you know, obviously if he can be on the field and be good, then he's going to be an NFL draft pick. In other words, guys, just, you know, NFL draft pick, you know, with the stone pick in the second round of the NFL draft, you know, someone so takes Justin Flo, University of Arizona, and that's what Arizona needs. And that's the type of talent that they haven't had, but now they at least have one at linebacker. Next to Jacob Manu, actually, who I haven't said his name yet, who played really, really well last season, and they've really enjoyed playing yeah. next to each other as the two middle linebackers in this defense. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually think that Manu's like a more reliable guy, you know, fr- oh, frankly, than fl- based on their tape so far, mm-hmm. you know, not because how can I really predict how they're going to do at Arizona, but based on their tape so far, Manu's a more reliable linebacker than Flo or Hamuli. Absolutely. Like, Hey, Moody's tape at Washington team. sucks. Like, <laughs> I mean, now he was playing under Bob Gregory, who's maybe the worst co- position coach in the Pac-12. Um, like, uh, uh, he wound up somewhere in the Pac-12 too, which is, I think he wound up at Stanford. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, uh, uh, yeah, man. Like, I, hey, maybe just getting out from under Bob Gregory suddenly he'll he'll play like a four star. But like, oh my God, dude, uh, his his tape's terrible. Um, uh, I mean, it it might be like it might wind up being just for like reliable ability purposes that like all of this portal transfer stuff, you know, it just might wind up being like Jacob Mondu and Ammon Allen. You know, I think if you're Arizona, like you definitely you're satisfied with Manu. you i mean he was excellent as a true freshman like he's one of those guys who was just a little bit bigger he wouldn't be at arizona yeah but you know he you can count on jacob Manu. he had some big plays against asu that should have won them the game actually i'm trying to remember i think he's the one who got the hit on borgay that led to the interception that did win the mm. game or sealed the game but you're you're set there with one of the linebacker spots if justin floor or himalaya are like your worst linebackers starting linebackers you're probably doing pretty good you know, at least in terms of what Arizona needs from their defense, because, you know, running it back with what they had last season would not have been good enough. They needed more guys who, to your point, like Justin Flo, who's going to give up a play, huge plays because he's out of position. But does he make enough plays to bounce it out? Because what Arizona has lacked at linebacker really yeah. on defense for the last couple of seasons has been a playmaker, someone who the defense has right. to game plan for, who but has I mean, to be alert for, who's going to kind of be a game wrecker, so to speak. But I mean, this is the problem is that they're making bets, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. uh, You know, so Flo and Himuli, we've talked about. Uh, The three other new guys in the room are all true freshmen, you know, so we have no idea, you know, right? Uh, The uh, 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 Jerry Roberts and Colby Cage, you know, both left. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You know, it's not like the linebacker performance, you know, was tremendous, you know, last year, as we've talked about, you know, the the rushing performance was disaster, right? Anthony Solomon, who transferred in from Michigan, um, has been an absolute ghost. Like we've never seen him play. Yep. He wasn't listed on the spring game sheet. He didn't play in the spring game. Never hear anything about him. <laughs> yeah. He's like completely like, is he like alive? Like, is he a ghost? Literally, I, you know, um, I, I've heard nothing that says he's not alive, but, <laughs> but you know, no, he's one of those guys. I think there's a stretch too, and you're Jed fish. You're trying to get as many big time transfers as you can, because you just need, you're throwing darts. Sure. You no, know, no, I, I understand it. You know, yeah. one of them is going to land off the board and that, you know, whatever. I'm just saying that, like, I'm just trying to list everybody who's in the room and try and, and just to make the point yeah, that like, yeah. no one has any experience. And then Matt Weirts is the only other guy who's on scholarship. He's never played. And then there's like Mojo. three other. 
um, you know, walk-ons uh, uh, who played in the spring game who are walk-ons and like, and are freshmen or, or, you know, very young anyway, like Craddock and Ward and, and, and Eric, who I think was a DB this time last year. Like there's, it's a, it's a yawning void of experience and talent and it wasn't good last year. And so it's like, okay, Manu is sort of a known quantity, you know, at this point, um, Flo and Hamuli are like, well, I hope you can be better than you were at your last school. And maybe we can get something better from these other guys who return Allen and Weirtz um, then uh, because we haven't seen you at all. And then maybe the freshman, you know, but it's like question mark, question mark, question mark, you know, everybody except for mm -hmm. Allen is a question or excuse me, everybody except for Manu is a question mark. And even Manu is like, you know, he's 5'11", you know, he's reliable, but in a defense that wasn't very good last year. So it's like, it's making bets. It's, uh, yeah. you know, this entire linebacker core is about making bets. You, um, you have to make those bets, but you're also, I think, looking at the linebackers and saying like some of those other guys, right? Like you're, you're expecting big things out of Justin Flo after you're expecting yeah. big things out of mine on him early. But the other guys, ideally, you're not expecting them to be your starting linebacker. To be the guys who I mean, be out hope, there all the time, you'd hope, and that not. was their problem the last like, couple of seasons. They had well, guys at yeah, linebacker, but there's a world in which in which you roll snake eyes. Is what oh, yeah. I'm saying is that For like sure. there's it's not like this is a, a linebacker unit in which you're bringing back you know a bunch of like oh yeah this is a bunch of experienced killers you know and we can just count on these guys like that's you know it is the opposite of that situation you absolutely know? the case absolutely the case and that's where you know health coaching and you hope your talent evaluation. You know, you hope yeah. someone like Emma Allen, who they've been very pleased with, um, as they picked up as a walk on and everything, he's been solid. <laughs> like they, they like him now. Do they want him out there for 40 reps? You know, is he a starting linebacker for you? Hopefully not, unless he just somehow just blows up and is that good. Like it's possible. But that's the thing. A lot of this linebacker room, I think, is it's possible. But yeah, to your point, it's not a given. And, you know, if you're Arizona, again, it's like, where are you starting from? Like the defense was dreadful last season so it's not likely they're going to be worse than they were last season the question is can they get better and there's i think more room to get better with this group than there was with what they had before you know with a justin if you hit on justin flow and if maybe i don't know deuce lane plays well or if justin flow and jacob manu are good then you're actually gonna be pretty decent at linebacker all right if Hemily is good or if he's better than he was at washington then all of a sudden now you have a linebacker that goes from you hope that they're okay to hey they might actually be pretty good but there is ifs. There is like you're hoping for. And to your yeah. point, none of it's proven. And there's not a lot behind those guys to say, okay, well, if those guys can't get the job done, here's this four-star freshman who's ready to take over. Here's this experienced guy who's ready to take over, at least plug a hole for you. Like that they don't have in that room now. So last point on the defensive front before we move to the backfield, um, which is d d two dudes um, who are Jedfish recruits, uh, Sterling Lane um, and uh, Leviticus Sua, uh, you know, four stars, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Lane is a eight nine five eight. Forgot uh, to mention Sua. Yeah, he hasn't been with him yet, but that's yeah. He, he wasn't. He hadn't arrived in spring. You know, but Sua is an eight nine two five, right? You know, like I'm not counting on Sua because you know, like you said, he hasn't arrived yet. Uh, uh, and I wouldn't, you know, necessarily count on a, a, a fall arriving true freshman. But I'm just, you know, as I've been noting as we've been going along, Jed Fish is recruiting four stars. Um, for the trenches. Um, those are you know, as I will come back to at the end of the podcast, those don't necessarily pay off right away, but they do pay off. 
in, in theory uh, that's yeah. the hope right <laughs> well you're gonna have to get them if you eventually want yes. them to pay off is my yes. point. Yes. now let's talk about the defensive backfield um losing sadly christian roland wallace i really thought that he matured into um into a great shape in 2022 and it really sucks that usc stole him away um also losing from the um the safety group uh jackson turner and uh christian young um and i guess Jaden young too but a bunch of guys then young eventually left the team yeah um uh, uh, you know, uh, Turner and Christian Young uh, just contributed a ton of tackles. They're, you know, pretty reliable tacklers and guys were getting into Arizona's backfield a lot. So that was valuable. Yes, they got a lot of work. <laughs> um, they are bringing back a lot of guys who got a lot of tackles, although I'm not necessarily equating that, <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh, so like Gunnar Maldonado, who's the nickel, I've never really been in love with him, but like, you got a lot of work, uh, you know, he's mm -hmm. fairly experienced, you know, what um, you have in him. Uh, sure. Um, Isaiah Taylor, you know, another, uh, you know, similar, like he's a safety, he's been there for, you know, a couple of years now, you know, he knows how to tackle, um, I, one of the backups uh, safeties, DJ Wernell, bringing him back to, um, uh, uh, Dalton Johnson got a little bit of experience last year. I actually think he got a promotion. I was seeing him a little higher in the rotation during the spring game. Mm -hmm. He's an interesting character. Um, on the in the cornerback side, uh, Traden Stukes, who I thought was an interesting character. I was remarking on him. I remember when we talked in the fall last year because he's a walk on. Um, and he like jumped the queue. He jumped in front of a bunch of scholarship players who were like four stars. Um, he was and, like the one good thing to come out of twenty twenty. Yeah, <laughs> I know, man. Um, he was like. I remember the ASU game. I was like, trading Stoops walk on corner. I'm like, great. Arizona's playing walk ons. That's what they've been reduced yeah, right. to. It's like, oh, this one's actually pretty good. Okay. Like, that's, that's neat. I mean, I'm not super wild about him or anything, but like, I did. You could think do worse. Yeah, you you could definitely. Um, and it, well, it's also sort of you know it then becomes a question. So like, okay, Traden Stukes playing is sort of a rebuke to the four stars, Ephesians Prysock and uh, Isaiah Rutherford. Um, but then, you know, what do I see in the spring game? I see those guys playing with the ones. Um, uh, so, like, I don't know. Maybe those guys are ready to step up. Like, I don't know. It's an interesting question. My point is that, like, a lot of guys came back, you know, for for, mm -hmm. for what they lost, Roland Wallace, uh, Turner, and Young. They brought back a lot of experienced guys. And maybe some guys who have sort of a chip on their shoulder because they got passed up by a walk-on. Um and then they added to it some interesting um, uh, uh, portal additions. Uh, Martel Irvy um, from UCLA uh, was getting some run as the uh, the nickel um, for the other team, uh, for, for the blue team. Um, Maldonado was with the red team. Um, I saw uh, CJ Flores um, um, from the FCS ranks uh, who was playing a little bit of cornerback. I saw uh, 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 Cruz Rushing, who was, a, I think, a walk-on from Florida, but Arizona's taking him. I saw him playing a little boundary safety. Uh, Charles Charles Yates, who you mentioned uh, earlier, uh, the Juco came in. Uh, he was playing some cornerback. Uh, a guy named Genesis Smith. There's a lot of uh, Old Testament's names. Uh, yes, they're a very biblical team this uh, season, so, so far, although Ephesians is a New Testament um, book. <laughs> uh, the, the letter to the Ephesians, <laughs> the sixth book of the New Testament. Um, uh, Canyon Moses. Look, there's another yep. Old Testament name. Oh, yeah. Biblical um, defense. Uh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, uh, it's a ton of Isaiahs too. There's a bunch of Isaiahs on this team. Um, anyway, the, uh, um, they have a type. <laughs> I, I guess so. Um, 
but they've chased off everybody named Christian. Hmm. Go, <laughs> go in Old Testament. Uh, anyway, the um, so uh, uh, yeah, like brought in a ton of additions to the defensive back room. In fact, uh, you know, with uh, Emmanuel Carnley, who I believe is a, a cornerback, and then um, uh, eight new guys, I think. Uh, to you know, so it's like you know they they brought in I think nine, eight or nine dudes while only losing four. Like they definitely were like, let's stock up, you know, on defensive backs. Um, it, even while they were bringing back a bunch of dudes who had a bunch of experience you know and mm -hmm. i think that's sort of like i think there's sort of a message there i think sort of the message was jedfish saying like this is the first part of the equation like first you stock up and then um and then probably some guys are going to leave um is sort of where i'm going with this do you think there are some guys who are going to be leaving the program i would in assume the defensive so. back room like I would assume, I mean, I don't, I'd hate to speculate on who, but I would assume. So it's, it's a numbers game, right? Yeah. Like you yeah. look at what they have, like Isaiah Taylor, he came on strong last season. He's penciled in to be one of the starting safeties for them. Like they like him. Genesis Smith, another one, the true freshman. They, they were really happy that he ended up signing with them. There's like, a borderline four star. You know, yeah. Like they got him eight. early and then just his stock kept rising and rising. They were very happy to hold on to him. Um, Gunnar Maldonado, he's going to play. They like him. They trust him. He's going to, he knows his role. You know, he's mm -hmm. limited in areas, but he's not going to mess things up for you. You mm -hmm. know, it's the safeties. And then corner, like, I say mess things up in that. He's not going to be the wrong place. Mm -hmm. like, Skill-wise, yeah. corners, like Isaiah Rutherford has not been what you think a four-star who came over from Notre Dame would be. I have but been he, surprised by that. Like, he's just, he's got the build. He just hasn't made the plays. Prysock, highly rated recruit, has great size. You know, he's got everything you want as a cornerback. He just hasn't played much. Did a little bit last season. Stukes, Takario Davis, one of my favorite names on the team as well. Um, another big guy, 6'4". And then Marcel, or Charles Yates, rather. Marcel Yates was a 14th corner. Charles Yates, who they got the Juco. And people are like, why did they take this guy? And he's been one of the pleasant surprises at camp. So, like, they did, they have a lot of guys for these spots. A lot of players who aren't proven. But, again, it goes back to, like, a defense that wasn't great to begin with. So, you're banking on potential that these guys have more than the ones largely than the ones that they replaced um does that mean like you're not going to miss the solid play this you knew what to get out i mean jackson turner was inconsistent at safety too yeah. you know, he had some good moments he had some really disastrous moments are you better off without him i don't think so but isaiah taylor's not bad or he seems like he's a pretty good like a ball hawking mentality someone who could be pretty solid for them you know genesis with dj warnell when he did get some run at safety last season i thought it was solid for them too like yeah, I think he got he had some rough times in the Washington game, if I remember correctly. I think he got the penalty that probably wasn't a penalty at the end. That you know, I think he probably. Oh yeah, I remember <laughs> yeah. that. I think it was, was the, like about, I think it was the third down, or they called the pass difference, like or the hold. Yeah. I'm like that was not a penalty to call in that in that moment. But regardless, like, is he a guy that you want to be your starting safety? Not necessarily, but does he have a role in your defense? Yes, and I think that's what they have with the secondary. Is a lot of guys who belong on the field. Maybe you don't count on them to play specific roles consistently, but you know that they have the talent to help you. And well, that's something I guess, that Arizona never couldn't say they couldn't say in many years, like in years past. It, this room is just really a toughie for me. You know, I, I got to turn in an article for Thursday, um, but I think I'm going to punt on the defensive back room because I think these battles are going to go through the fall. And frankly, yeah. I think a lot of the losers of those battles are going to wind up leaving the program. Um, I, I, like, I just don't think this is settled. Um, oh, unlike some of the other rooms where I think I can make some pretty solid predictions at the end of spring ball, like I don't really feel comfortable making predictions about the defensive back room. Especially um, with the portal still active. Like, there's yeah, guys exactly. who are going to leave those guys Arizona could bring in if they decide the numbers aren't there, if they don't like what they have. And oh, I think they've probably know. taken, I think, I think they're probably done with talent acquisition in the defensive back room, but like the battle portion of it, like, oh man, like this is really <laughs> tough.
Yeah. I and mean, it's, it's just huge. Like, it's just a really like, big room. I like the options for them. Like, again, it goes kind of like the line race. Like, do they have a lot of um, surefire players there? I don't think so. But I like the idea of Ephesians Price like earning a starting job for them. I like the idea of a Charles Yates because of what I've seen from what they can bring to the table with their size and their skill set. Like if Price Hawk's not a starting cornerback this season, something went wrong, right? Like he played some last season. He was kind of like their extra corner later in the season. He got more run. Like he's supposed to be ready to take over that spot. And Traden Stukes, if he's your second or third corner, that's not bad either. And you look at the size of this defensive back room, the guys, especially the ones who are most likely to play. Charles Yates is 5'11". That's your shortest cornerback who's likely to start for them. Otherwise, you have six one, six four, six two, six four. Like that's that's something. Now, granted, they have to cover. Just being tall doesn't mean you can stop a, a receiver. But just what Arizona's done, it's like those dart throws. Or if you're kind of and you're doing a raffle, the more tickets you have, the better your chance of winning. They have a lot of tickets here for their defensive backfield, and chances are at least a few of these guys will hit to be, if not like excellent players, top tier players, solid guys who will help them. And I think that's just something that they couldn't say in years past where maybe they had guys who played hard, the OKGs, like the Rich Rod guys, but they didn't have the guys who say, well, that guy is fast. That guy's big and yeah. strong. That guy could be an NFL player if he develops. They have that now, which is something that they didn't have before, and I think that's going to serve them well. But, you know, here's the thing about the defensive back room, um, or you know, about last year's performance, is that compared to how well they stopped the run, the pass defense was respectable. You know, no one had to throw they, on them. <laughs> you know, well, I guess that's true. But I mean, they they were 47% efficient, which is still underwater. But I mean, it wasn't for for how Pac-12 defenses normally do. It was okay. Like Jack know? Plummer torched them. So that was uh, fine. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, they only gave up 7.74, you know, yards per pass, which is actually fairly decent. They only gave up 16.5% gave uh, of uh, opponent uh, passing attempts, um, went for 15 plus yards, which is a, like an average, you know, you know, it's like this team was getting torched through the air and like the way that you have, we've been talking about these defensive backs, you know, some the listener might think, Oh, these guys were awful and they were getting torched. They weren't, you know, were they the best defensive backs in the world? You know, no, of course not. But like, they weren't horrible. They were an average, you know, room, which given their talent level, you know, probably means actually they were sort of punching above their belt, you know, or their, yeah. their weight a little bit, you know, like, and, and here's the thing you can, as we've been discussing, the defensive back room is one of the rooms where you can improve pretty quickly. You can turn it over, you know, fairly quickly. And like, you, you, there's reason to expect 2023, 2024, you can take a step forward and you're, you know, you, you can maintain or improve that, you know, fairly easily. And like, here's what I've been hinting at, you know, throughout where, Arizona had problems last year. You know, the reason why they, they had a hard time breaking through, you know, and getting to a bowl game and, 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 you know, seriously competing, they're trenches problems. They're mm -hmm. not skill player problems. They're not really defensive back problems. They're trenches problems, Agreed. right? It's, it's not being able to run inside the tackles and it's not being able to stop the run. Um, or you know, get that's pressure where, on the quarterback too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and like those are problems that you can't solve unless you solve your problems in the trenches. And those, and you don't solve your trenches problems right away. You just can't. Like you, like and and you know, sadly, you know, having having gone through all these you know position groups, I'm 
a little skeptical it's going to improve in 2023. And so I don't really have like a, a hugely improved diagnosis for Arizona in 2023. But what I kept trying to note, like why I kept saying, like, put a pin in this, put a pin in this, you know, look at the freshman, look at the freshman, you know, look at the, the average talent rating for the offensive linemen, the defensive linemen, and some of these linebacker guys that they got is that the, the dudes that, that fish is recruiting that you're not going to see dividends for until like, you know, 2024, 2025, 2026, they're substantial talent upgrades. And this graph that we put up at the very beginning of the podcast, like where I was like, well, maybe this is going to plateau. Like there's a reason to expect that that's going to keep going and it's going to keep going in the trenches, the places where Arizona has had its weaknesses that's kept it from breaking through. So it may not happen in 2023. In fact, I, I would probably bet on it not happening in 2023, but 2024. Well, have some faith. You guys stick around, right? In the, have some. In yeah. Well, you got it. That era. is that is half the battle with the era of the transfer. Twenty twenty four Pac ten champion. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? So if everyone else leaves the Pac ten, like the Pac, then I imagine Arizona has a chance. But here is the danger. Well, actually, go ahead, Adam. I was going to say, like, you're not wrong with that, but I do think. You know, like Arizona wasn't, I don't know how many people say Arizona winning five games last season. I forget what, the, I think the over-under was like three and a half or something. So I guess five isn't I should be so over. far, you know, but a lot of people weren't expecting that. And even Arizona had that. I mean, their schedule wasn't favorable last year, you know, like Arizona maybe lost one game they should have won at Cal. And that's a road game. You're saying they should have won. Otherwise, it was their losses were Oregon, Washington, USC, Utah, Washington State, Mississippi State. Those aren't bad losses. You know, but they still had a win over UCLA. Like Arizona found ways, and did they improve at the end of the season? I mean, I used to say they won two of their last three games. You know, UCLA and Arizona State. Does that mean they I, were getting better? In the I don't summer, know. I picked them to beat Arizona State, and Arizona State fans were up in my mentions. Oh, that, <laughs> that, that, that should have been an easy one. Arizona State was a you know they were a tire fire going into last season, let alone what happened after the season started. But like, did Arizona like their defense wasn't horrible the last three games of the season? You know, they gave 28 to UCLA, 31 to Washington State when Delora was throwing all the interceptions he could, and 35 to ASU in a game that was just back and forth. But even then, 35 that wasn't was kind of, It was kind of a nutty game. Like, I mean, if Arizona gave up 35 games. points a game last season, they would have won some more games. So, you know, was that because some of the young guys were getting more reps like Prysock, like Kangaika, like Deuce Davis, like Sterling Lane, like Ulele? Like, it's possible that those players getting more reps was part of the turnaround for them, guys who weren't trying to learn and like this was the only system they were learning guys who just natural progression and that's what Arizona's banking on for a lot of these players especially defensively is that you know price sock from year one to year two to Cario Davis year one to two year two both deuces Lane and Davis year one to year two and they got like Isaiah Taylor with a larger role the returners they're expecting a jump from and if they can get that they don't have to go from guys who are bit players to you know, first team all pack 12s or anything, but if they can be solid, consistent contributors, then Arizona's defense just by just organic improvement, not even the transfers, just organic, the guys that they brought back, they should improve. And I don't know if that gets them. Like I always talk to my, to my co-host Brett Barry on Wildcat Radio 2.0. Like we don't, Arizona doesn't need to be good on defense to have, to be a bold team this season, not with that offense. If they're just respectable, if they can just create a couple of turnovers, get a, cut just a few stops a game, then they'll probably get enough offense to win six or seven games this season. But, you know, would I bet on it right now? No. But I am to see what they can do with the portal, what happens, what they lose, maybe what they bring in. And then, of course, some of these guys that have come in in the fall, like Leviticus Sua, how ready is he? 
to make an impact? Is he a guy who can get on the field in week three, week four, and make an impact for you? If he can, then then your ceiling is that much higher. And here's my this is my last question for you. Uh, there's a danger with teams like this that are demonstrably improving their talent and take a big jump in their uh ta- in their you know talent level which is they raise expectations faster than they can meet them and and, and like if i'm right in in the predictions that i've given in this podcast in which the 2023 season for Arizona looks eerily similar to the 2022 season because they don't make the breakthrough in the trenches yet, but that that's coming in the, you know, in the seasons, you know, immediately following, like there's a danger that like fan expectations get raised and then they, they don't meet them. And they're like, Oh, we stalled out, you know, but we're so close and, and I'm angry and we need to get a coach who can get us over the finish line. So they fire fish. And I've seen it. Ha- Don't say it can't happen because I've seen it happen. I've oh, seen it, it happen, happen to a lot. That. Of <laughs> yeah. Well, that's my question for you. Do you think that that there's a danger uh, of that? I think there's a danger in expectations being too high. Yes, I do. I, I don't think they're going to go from five wins to nine wins. Is a six-win season with the way the schedule shapes up that out of the realm of possibility? I don't think so. But I think a lot of it's contextual, right? Like if Arizona wins five games, but they beat ASU again, maybe they beat on a Washington at home. They, you know, things go well. Maybe there's injuries that cost them here and there, or some really close games, like it's a close one against UCLA or a close one at USC that you lose. This season looks a lot different, you know, but if they go, if they win two games this season, if they lose to NAU again, you know, then oh, sure. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if that's in the cards, but I'm saying it like, shouldn't be. I'm asking you for I mean. your read of the a- yeah. Arizona fan base. If it's like, I don't think it's that way. No, I don't think there's a bowl game or else type of season. Like I think, the Arizona fan base, people understand that it wasn't that long ago they were winless. It wasn't that long ago mm-hmm. that their program was the worst in college football. So the fact that there's a buzz. Now, do you need to keep winning to keep the recruiting coming? Because you can only sell smoke and mirrors so long. Yeah, At right. some point, you need to be able to sell, hey, you're going to come here, put up numbers, and win some games. Like That helps. But I do think in the era of transfer portal, in the NIL era where Arizona has a decent one, they're obviously not on par with the best, but they're okay there, that it's easier to turn things around a little bit more quickly. And that's what we're seeing, right? Like does Arizona win five games last year without the portal. Like they don't get Jaden Delore. They don't have, mm-hmm. you know, they don't have um, Jacob Cowing, some of the other key guys that they picked up through those newer means. So I, there are high expectations. But when I say high expectations, like keep in mind, this is Arizona football. The expectation is six, seven wins and be competitive. <laughs> you know, if they can do that, people will be satisfied and think that the program's still going in the right direction. But yeah, if they win three games, and it's not because of injuries and it's not because of fluky stuff. People might be like, okay, that that was disappointing. What went wrong? But I can't imagine anyone's calling for a fish's head after this season, no matter how it goes. Like, unless they're like a one-win team that just don't look like they know what they're doing. You know, if they're if there's progress in ways that aren't necessarily on the scoreboard, I think people will still accept that. But eventually, yeah, you do need to start winning games. Is year three when it has to happen? Probably not, but you know, I think people are expecting them to take a step forward, at least in being competitive and ideally winning one or two more games than they did last season. Well, I'll tell you this. This program is heading in the right direction because we kicked off this roster review series with a great guest, Adam Green. That is right. You can find him on Twitter at the 
Adam Green. I'm glad you were able to get that for yourself. There's some yeah. Adam Green out there that's pissed, I'm sure. Well, there's an actual Adam Green who's just Adam Green, and I think he's a musician, and that really upset me. So, <laughs> oh, no, like, I'm not I arrogant to think that. I'm like the only Adam Green, but I was like, well, Adam Green's taken. I didn't want to use a number or like underscores or whatever people were doing. So I thought okay. you spent some time at Ohio State. Maybe that you picked up <laughs> that or something. Uh, but please also, um, fan that I yelled at at the very beginning here, uh, JXCD, while you're giving us five stars, also go over to Wildcat Radio. Give them five stars. Give them a listen. Leave them a comment. Helps people find this great podcast. Also, listeners, go over to Desert Swarm to find more of Adam Green's work. Um, you know, not everyone will come on to a podcast and talk Wildcat football for two hours. I should specify Arizona Wildcat football <laughs> for two hours. So uh, we're just so happy to have you back on the show, Adam. Uh, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. And, yeah, it should be a, it should be a fun season, you know? Like, look, we're all looking forward to it. Uh, what, it's six, six, four months away now? Mm-hmm. But it'll go by fast, and then we'll get to see how any of these guys do. I mean, so, as, like, as long as Arizona doesn't now, play... So. As long as Arizona doesn't play any team that's ranked number 15 at the time that they play them, they should be okay. (laughs) That would be nice. I would take that, yeah. Well, you know, I I bet a bunch of Arizona football fans would be pretty happy with uh, getting knocked out of the playoffs, uh, you know, first round this year. I think that'd be a good goal. Reasonable goal. Oh, sure. Uh, One postseason game? Yeah, sure. Uh, no, Adam, it was great talking to you. Always a pleasure. We, we will absolutely bother you in the future, so we hope you're available. But, uh, uh, look, looking forward to it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, go Ducks and go Wildcats. Y'all have a good day.